0: Merry Christmas and welcome to our weekly podcast. My name is Craig Chapel, and I am so blessed to serve as the senior pastor here at OCC. Today we're in week two of our Christmas message series, Christmas Catchphrase. A catchphrase is meant to attract attention and convey a specific message. We're all familiar with catchphrases and we all have our favorite ones. You know, some of my favorite catchphrases come from the world of sports. If you're a baseball fan, you'll be familiar with the catchphrase, knock it out of the park. When someone says this and they aren't playing baseball, it's meant to encourage others to do something well. So whether you're interviewing for a job, working on a project at home, you might say, knock it out of the park. If someone says that came out of left field, they're telling others that they're surprised about something that that wasn't expected, that came out of left field. If you're in an argument with someone, you might hit below the belt which means you said or did something that was hurtful or wrong. Catchphrases are everywhere. They're in the world of sports and politics and in our favorite commercials. There are some common catchphrases that we use around Christmas as well. We have scriptural catchphrases that we quote, sing, write on Christmas cards, and even post on social media. Last week, our Christmas catchphrase was God with us. This phrase comes from Matthew chapter 1 and catches what Christmas is all about. God with us reminds us of the presence of the living God that came when Jesus was born. Today we're going to read the account of Jesus' birth that was written by Dr. Luke. This is in Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 14. Now I'll first read the passage in its entire context and then we'll focus in on today's Christmas catchphrase which comes from verse 14. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Luke's account of Jesus' birth is filled with phrases that are filled with meaning. The words peace on earth in verse 14 is one of those phrases. Now you'll notice the entire verse says glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The phrase that I'd like to unpack today is the phrase peace on earth. You might be a longtime member of OCC or someone who's listening in for the very first time today. But one thing I know about each and every person who's listening is this. We all want peace in our lives. When I personally think about Christmas, one thing that comes to mind is that word, peace. But what did the armies of heaven mean when they were praising God and saying these words, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased? The first part of the verse says, glory to God in highest heaven. Now these words focus on God and on something he's done. This is a short hymn known as the Gloria in Excelsis Deo. It's reminding us that God sent his one and only son, whose birth brings glory to God in the highest heavens. The second part of the verse says, And peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, this is the part of the verse that contains today's Christmas catchphrase, peace on earth. These words focus on peace for people on earth. Now, this isn't a kind of peace that results uh, from the absence of war or hostility. I think even as Christians, when we hear the word peace, a lot of times that's what we think about. We think about the absence of war, you know, maybe bringing our troops home, or the absence of hostility in our lives. But that's not the kind of peace that Jesus brought. That's not the kind of peace that his birth ushered in. And this word actually means something different see, this is a kind of peace that results from having a right relationship with God and others. It's all about being unified with God and others. Now, in the Greek, it's the word arene, which means complete or whole. This is the same kind of peace that we see in the Old Testament as well. In the Old Testament, uh, it's a different word. It's the Hebrew word shalom, but it means the exact same thing. What's the most needed message at Christmas? You know, I believe this entire series is important. I love looking at these Christmas catchphrases. But I believe the most needed message at Christmas is peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. There was then in Jesus' time, and there is now in in our time today, the need for peace, in every single human life. The authors of the New Testament define this kind of peace on earth in three ways. You could say there's really three examples of arena peace. It's important that we learn and live out these truths in our own lives if we're going to experience the kind of peace that God wants us to have. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first example of this kind of peace is what I call vertical peace. This is peace with God, peace with God. The peace that was ushered into the world by the birth of Christ was not military dominance or control. See, Jesus came to bring peace with God. What does it mean to have peace with God? Well, peace with God is a result of God's favor in our lives. We, we see this truth in today's passage as well as the catchphrase for today. Peace with God is all about having your heart right with God. A peace with God affects your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength. This is how we're called to, to love God, with everything that we are. Peace with God is about having a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And just like everyone wants peace in their lives, I would say that everyone needs peace with God through a right relationship with Jesus. The angels said some words in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, that really aren't that clear. And the English translations that we have don't really help. For example, in the King James Version, it says, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Maybe that's the translation or the version that you're most familiar with. The NLT and the ESV says, Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And the NIV says, On earth, peace to those on whom God's favor rests. I think the key to understanding This catchphrase, this this important phrase, really is the word pleased or, or favor. Favor in the original language means God's pleasure or God's will. Luke is sharing the amazing truth that God's favor is now available to all people through Christ. And that's the true source of peace on earth. That's where it starts. So how can a person experience God's pleasure, God's favor, or God's goodwill. Because of Jesus' birth, his life and ministry, death, burial, and resurrection, we now have the opportunity to place our faith in Jesus as Lord of our lives. Believing in Jesus and receiving God's free gift of grace and forgiveness restores what was once a broken relationship with God. The Greek word for peace, arene, carries with it the same thought as the Greek word for salvation. And this is really cool. So the Apostle Paul explains the relationship of peace and salvation in the New Testament book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. Now, I'm just going to say it front. This is my favorite passage from today's message. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 19, says, For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ." And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, He's brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Man, this is an amazing passage of scripture. This is amazing news. Paul's reminding us that, that you now have access to God and can experience peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Peace on earth comes when we have peace with God. We can talk to him anytime. We can meet with him any place, and he welcomes us into his presence. I heard a really cool story this week. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, during the Civil War, as a result of a family tragedy, There was a soldier who was granted permission to meet with the President of the United States. I mean, what an honor. Um, He wanted to request exemption from military service because of this family tragedy. However, when he arrived at the White House, he wasn't allowed to go in, and he was sent away. After being sent away, he went and sat in a nearby park. While he was sitting there, there was a young boy who happened to pass by. And as he did, he commented on how unhappy the soldier looked. After introducing himself, the soldier found himself telling the young boy about everything that had just happened. Eventually, the boy said, come with me, and he led the soldier back to the White House. Now, as they arrived on the property, they went around the backside of the White House, and none of the guards stopped them. Even the generals and the high-ranking government officials let them pass without any issues. The soldier was amazed by this. Finally, they came to the president's office, and without knocking, the young boy just opened the door. He walked right in, just like he owned the place. Turning from his conversation with the secretary of state, President Abraham Lincoln said, What can I do for you, Tad? And Tad said, Dad, this soldier needs to talk to you. I think this is a really cool story. You see, in this story, the soldier had access to the president through the son. According to the New Testament, and in an even more amazing way, in a greater way, you and I now have access to God the Father through God the Son, Jesus Christ. Paul explains this simply and beautifully in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. He says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. It's because of Christ's work on the cross. In the book of Acts, chapter 10, Verses 34 through 36, as well as verse 43. Dr. Luke wrote these words. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him Will have their sins forgiven through his name. The first example of peace is vertical peace. It's peace with God. Friends, there's good news for everyone today because the source of true peace comes through having a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. This good news is available for every person who believes in Jesus and places their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Before I go any further, I need to ask this question. Do you have peace with God? Do you know Jesus? Have you placed your trust in Jesus as Lord of your life? That's the first step to experiencing true peace in your life. The second example of peace that we see in the New Testament is what I call horizontal peace. This is peace with each other. Jesus, as well as the other New Testament writers, they all emphasize the importance of living at peace with each other. Jesus told his disciples, love one another as I have loved you. This is the example that Jesus demonstrated. Now he's saying, I'm giving you this example. Do as I have done. Love one another as I have loved you. And that's what being a disciple is all about. Remember, it's learning from Jesus to live like Jesus This one verse defines what it means to experience horizontal peace, peace with each other. The Apostle Paul taught this example of peace in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. He wrote these words that if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to be intentional about this, not casual, We're called to work at relationships, doing everything that we can to live at peace with everyone. We're called to build bridges, not fences. This week I came across an old story. It's by an unknown author. This story is about two brothers who lived on adjoining farms. Now, for whatever reason, these two brothers fell into conflict. You know, brothers never fight, right? Well, it was the first serious argument or fight in about 40 years of farming side by side. 40 years of sharing resources. The fight started because of a small misunderstanding, but eventually grew into a major conflict. Finally, it exploded into a war of bitter words, followed by weeks of silence. One morning, there was a knock on the older brother's door. He opened it to find a carpenter who was holding a toolbox. "'I'm looking for a few days' work,' the carpenter said. "'Would you have a few small jobs that I could help out with around your farm?' Yes, the older brother said. In fact, I I do have a job for you. Look across the creek at that other farm. That's my neighbor. In fact, it's my younger brother. Last week, there was a meadow between us. Then he decided to take his bulldozer to the river, and now there's a creek. I think he did this because he's mad at me, but I'll go in one better. You see that pile of lumber over by the barn? I want you to build me a fence, but not just any fence. It needs to be eight foot high. That way, I don't have to see his place or his face anymore. The carpenter responded, I think I understand the situation. Show me the nails and the post hole digger. I'll do a good job. The older brother had to go to town, so he helped the carpenter get all the materials necessary uh, together. And then he left for the day. The carpenter worked hard all day, measuring, sawing, and nailing. In the evening, when the farmer returned, the carpenter had just finished the job. And the farmer's eyes opened wide, his jaw dropped. What he saw was not what he expected. There was no fence at all. Instead, it was a bridge, a bridge stretching from one side of the creek to the other. The farmer noticed that the carpenter and his younger brother were actually walking towards him from the other side of the bridge. His brother's hand was held out like he wanted to shake hands. I can't believe you built this bridge after all I've said and done, the younger brother said. The two brothers stood at each end of the bridge, And then met in the middle, taking each other's hand. They turned to see the carpenter hoisting his toolbox onto his shoulder. No, wait, stay a few days. I've got a lot of other projects for you to work on, said the older brother. I'd love to stay, the carpenter said, but I have a lot more bridges to build. The second example of a peace is horizontal peace. It's peace with each other. Friends, Christmas is a time to build bridges, not fences. Paul said, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Right, this command, this, this challenge, that's on you. Regardless of what others have said or done, he says, as far as it depends on you. With a church of over 100 people, and, and more than that listening each weekend, I know that there are some of us who have some work to do this season, who have bridges to build. relationships matter to God, our relationship with him, but also our relationships with each other. I'll say it again, regardless of the situation, regardless of the reason, friends, it's time to build bridges. It's time to get to work at restoring relationships. And we can do this not in our own strength, but because Jesus first did the work to restore our relationship with God. The Bible says that we love because he first loved us. If you want to experience real peace in your life, Work at restoring relationships. Persevere in relationships, even when they're hard. The third example of peace that we see in the New Testament is what I call internal peace. This is the peace of God. Vertical peace is peace with God. Horizontal peace is peace with each other. And the third example of arene peace is the peace of God, which is internal peace. If you think about the circumstances in which Jesus came to earth... It wasn't a very peaceful situation. In fact, it wasn't very comfortable at all. Internal peace, the peace of God, isn't about everything in our lives being okay. It's it's not about having all of our problems solved. Instead, it has a lot more to do with not being afraid of what's going on around us. That's because our security is in Christ. This example of peace is presented in the accounts of Jesus' birth and it's done so with both a promise as well as a challenge. Now, we've talked about the promise. The promise is peace on earth. And we're talking about those examples of peace. But there's a challenge that goes with this as well. The challenge is don't be afraid. We see this over and over again. Whenever we see peace on earth, we see don't be afraid. Pastor Craig Groeschel, pastor's lifechurch.tv, he likes to say that what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. Let me say that again. What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. Our lack of peace is often a byproduct of fear. And we look at the accounts of Jesus' birth. When, When the angel tells Joseph to take Mary as his wife, that was a confusing situation. But he says, don't be afraid. When the angel explains to Mary that she's going to give birth to a son who will save his people from their sins, he says, don't be afraid. When the angel speaks to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, can you guess what he says? He says, don't be afraid. The apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. All right, so he's saying, when you, when you worry you've got anxiety and fear in your life, you can replace that with prayer. He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. That's that peace of God in our lives. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Peace on earth means that we can experience the peace of God in our lives. This is a kind of assurance, a kind of comfort and wholeness that only comes from God. It's letting go of false securities and standing firm on the promise that our security is in Christ. It's allowing God to exchange our fear with an even greater faith. It's drawing nearer to God, enjoying his peace that exceeds anything we can understand. Charles Schultz's Peanuts characters, they've been teaching us about having the peace of God uh, since 1965 when a Charlie Brown Christmas first aired. Uh, Charlie Brown is best known for his uniquely striped shirt. And then another character, Linus, I think he's best known for always carrying around his security blanket. Now throughout the story of Peanuts, uh, Lucy, Snoopy, Sally, and all the other characters, they work hard to separate Linus from his blanket. And even though his security blanket remains a major source of ridicule from the others, Linus simply refuses to give it up. That is, until one moment during a Charlie Brown Christmas. Now, I wish I could show you the clip or let you at least hear it, but because of copyright reasons, I I can't. But I want to encourage you to go watch this clip. During the well-known scene when Linus shares what Christmas is all about, He actually drops his security blanket. I've never noticed this before this week, but he drops his blanket at the exact moment when he says the words, Fear not. Well, reading the comments about the movie and about this scene, a lot of people believe that this was intentional. It's an amazing scene, it's a great reminder to fear not. And he gives us the reason, and that's the reason for Christmas. The world of 2020 can be a scary place, and I know a lot of people who are worried about going into 2021. In fact, I'd say right now, most of us find ourselves holding on to things that are temporal for security, grasping to things that maybe we shouldn't. This year has given us more than enough reasons to fear what's going on around us. But in the midst of a very difficult season, a very difficult time, this simple cartoon from 1965 continues to encourage us to seek true peace and true security and the one place it's always been and can always be found. If you find yourself questioning what Christmas is all about, if you find yourself with a lack of peace this year, I want to encourage you to learn, remember, and recite this important Christmas catchphrase, peace on earth. This phrase is an important reminder that there's peace with God through Christ, peace with each other through the love of Christ, and the peace of God that exceeds anything we can understand. I have a short assignment for you today. Now, I don't always give out homework, but I think this is important. I'd like for you to consider doing a peace review of your own life. You can do this by writing down and answering the following three questions. Question number one, in what ways do I experience peace with God? Question number two, in what ways do I experience peace with others? And question number three, In what ways do I experience the peace of God in my own life? Friends, if your peace with God is shaky, this is a good time to recommit your life to Jesus. Ask him to help get you back on the right path. If your peace with others is lacking, decide today to build bridges, not fences. And if your internal peace is weak, Lay down your anxieties, lay down your worries and fears, and lean on the Lord, the only one who can offer true peace on earth.